You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 91. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 91. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, Teacher, and Recovering Supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, Supermoms. How are you hanging in there in what I'm calling the longest month in the history of the world? It just feels really long to me because we're on total lockdown here and everything just has gotten really quiet, a little too quiet for me. I miss teaching so much. I miss people. I miss um, parties. I miss children. And But most especially, I miss teaching. So I'm going to be doing some more in February. Starting with, I've got a webinar coming up that you are all invited to. It's called Five Ways to Have the Talk with Your Kids Without Making It Awkward. So if you have a nine to 12 year old, I highly recommend that you come to this free webinar to learn all about opening up communication with your kids on a difficult subject because things are just changing a lot. Kids are being exposed to things through the internet. And, but it's so, so important that parents get involved in the conversation. And so most parents say they want to be their child's primary sex educator, but it's, a lot of them don't intentionally do anything about that, where instead YouTube turns into the primary sex educator of our children today. So I want to get parents involved in the conversation because I think that it really benefits kids and parents so that they can feel like they have a tight connection that will last through adolescence. And it all starts around the ages of nine to 12. So if you go to timeforthetalk.com, slash webinar sign up, then you can sign up for the free webinar. So I'll be putting some links in the show notes too, so you can find out. But today we're going to talk, we're going to hear from a mom who is struggling because her teenager is struggling with online school and the shutdowns of, you know, not going to in-person school and doing distance learning and all that. So I'm going to read Today's question of the day, it says, yesterday our superintendent said the reopening plan for January isn't going to happen. I'm just feeling sick this morning. Private schools have been on a hybrid model for months. At this point, there are no more acceptable excuses. This is horrible for our kids. A few months back in March, when nobody knew what we were dealing with, totally understandable and fine, but it's been 10 months now. I wake up with a headache almost every day because I too am bearing this and I am continually advocating for a child of mine who's totally anxiety ridden, has no outlet, no activity, isolated, and has a learning disability and an IEP. She should be getting the education she is entitled to. Getting our children back to school should be a top priority. Give the teachers what they're asking for to go back safely. Find the money to do it. Who decided education wasn't an essential business and our educators are not essential workers? 
So you can tell that this mama is feeling lots of emotions. She is really at the end of her rope. She's feeling desperate. She's very angry. When we have high emotions, like when clients come to the coaching calls, they often will come with like, ah, you know, lots of high emotions, lots of anger and upset. And so the first thing that I I do with a client and I would want to do here is to acknowledge where she's at. Like this is a really hard thing to deal with. This pandemic has been so tough on moms a lot, but on teenagers especially, you know? And so when you're feeling this overwhelmed, the first thing that we want to do to help you get just some clarity and a sense of control is to help you separate out the facts from your thoughts about the facts so that it feels more manageable. So if we were to look at the facts of your current situation, your daughter has an IEP, she has a diagnosed learning challenge, and she hasn't been getting the educational support that you expected her to receive this year. I'm guessing that's correct. That sounds like what you mentioned. You also mentioned that your daughter has anxiety and she lacks a social outlet. Another fact, another circumstance is that it has been announced that your public schools will continue distance learning for the winter of 2021 is what it sounds like. So these are all neutral circumstances. They're difficult circumstances. They are challenge. Nobody's going to say they're not a challenge to deal with, but they themselves are not a problem. Distance learning, IEP, anxiety, what's causing the frustration are the thoughts about these circumstances. So when you can separate these things out and not lump them all together, it's just easier to deal with it. It's easier to notice that in-person school with masks and plexi shields or whatever they put up between the kids, it's probably not going to fix your daughter's anxiety, right? Like going to school is not the cure for anxiety. Now, having a social outlet and having friends and interactions with other humans certainly benefits mental health. But if she's really anxiety ridden, that's not probably going to be enough for her. And so, it, and with masks and these shields and distance learning, it might not even be enough of a social outlet, right? It might not even help her catch up academically. So schools returning might not be the fix for the problems that you're facing. And I think like many kids have discovered this year that online school is not a great fit for them. And it sounds like your daughter's learning that it's not a great fit for her learning style and how she best learns. I, I can guarantee that every kid's going to fall behind in some way or another, but it doesn't have to be fall behind in every area. Okay. Because when you have time off of school, you get to focus on the things you're interested in. And so you might actually grow your brain in some areas that schools would not be able to provide. If I was to choose one thing for this super mom to focus on, based on my education, my experience, the most important thing for your daughter is her mental health and her self-identity. 
So developmentally, teens should be pulling away from mom and dad. You know, at this age, I, I don't think you said what grade she's in, but it sounds like um, maybe freshman or sophomore or something. So this is the age where peers become so, so important, right? They're learning how to adapt and fit in with the peer culture to help them separate from their parents so that they feel strong and independent enough to leave the nest, so to speak. This age is all about a development of the ego. Who am I? How do I fit in? And how do I identify myself? You know, ego kind of has a bad rap, we bad reputation. We kind of think about it as something we're trying to become more conscious and raise ourselves above the ego. But egos are important, especially for teenagers. That's when you see them like, you know, kind of the stereotypical, like, am I a jock? Am I a skater? Am I goth? You know, I like this kind of music. It's like teenagers want to, it helps them feel safe if they can feel like they belong to a group and help them kind of form their identity, even if it doesn't last for a long time. It's just a really important developmental milestone. Identifying with a group, it helps create a safe space to move away from that familial nest. And without this safe group, independence can feel scary and overwhelming. We might see anxiety because coming because anxiety is coming from fear, where it's like going out on my own and just being super independent is feels scary. They need this kind of group or some kind of identity, friends you know, some sort of belonging, it just helps them to bridge that gap towards independence. So adolescent identity comes from trying out different roles in different situations. So typically kids have school, they have home, they have social settings, maybe a job to provide an environment to explore their values, their belief systems, their sexuality, their gender, and their personal ethics. Although school is often an avenue for teens to figure out who they are, it is not the only place for teens to figure out who they are. And so for me, this is the most important is like, what other place could your daughter help kind of explore her different belief systems, her values, and kind of just figure out who she is by by maybe aligning or identifying with a group? So although social media is a bit of a double-edged sword, it can be a great place to find people expressing values you like and want to align with. When you remove teens from the social constructs of middle school, high school, they might find that they identify as a non-binary, anti-racist, born-again Christian who advocates for the environment and loves jazz, (laughs) right? That they can still figure out who am I and what do I love, possibly even easier because they're not going to a school every day that's saying, are you a boy or are you a girl? You know, if you go to this bathroom, if you're this, and, and constantly needing, you know, peers, of course, wanting to pigeonhole. Oh, she's a nerd. You know, she's smart. You know, he's an athlete, you know, teenagers. They want to kind of put into categories different people. And so when you remove that, you kind of get to be whoever you want to be. And sometimes social media can help us figure that out of like, 
Who am I? What do I see myself as? And so it doesn't matter if the identity sticks. It's just a group where she can feel safe that will help her bridge the gap towards independence. This can be a job, a volunteer organization, you know, with it could be a group of people with like-minded interests, right? like doing the same things. It could be joining um, the track team. I mean, even though we're under major lockdown, track and field is still going on. And, you know, most people can still run. <laughs> and it's uh, social. It's co-ed. Tennis is still going on. Uh, so there are still, it doesn't have to be sports, but there are still things. There's essential businesses, you know, taking care of animals and pets and and doing um you know, some kind of cleaning up beaches is is something that kids can still get involved and do these things that are social and might be aligned with some of their values that they want to explore. So like for me, high school was very overwhelming. (laughs) I survived by making myself invisible. (laughs) So the environments for me that were more helpful in forming my identity were babysitting jobs and volunteer work and probably teen romance novels. (laughs) I read a lot of those like, you know, little fictional books about like, you know, what life was like for other teenagers. And how did I identify? Which characters did I identify with? So as a highly sensitive extrovert, I found socializing really hard, but really important for me. And so working helped me to have like a role to play so I could socialize, but it was within this, like they told me what to say and how to say it. And so it was a safer way for me to learn how to, to socialize with people. And of course, children, there was so much less pressure, so much acceptance that I felt like I could be myself around kids and really kind of help me figure out who am I when I'm not with my parents. So if I was to offer a suggestion to this mom, because she's got so many different things that she's worried about, and I don't think that going back to school is going to fix them all, I would focus most on helping her daughter build a healthy ego and identity. Every experience in life is here to teach us more about who we are. So what has online school taught her that she needs more of and less of? Does she need more structure and less computer time? Does she need more accountability and less just sitting, like more movement? You know, can you help her identify her learning style? Like I was to have a client whose daughter is just, they they just returned to lockdown. So schools are closed again. She was back for a while and she's going to her grandmother's house every day to do her schoolwork over there. And it's so much better for her because she has learning challenges and it's just so much easier to get, get up, get dressed, you know, take a shower, get on her bike, ride to grandma's house and then feel like she can focus there. And it's like, it's kind of like a pseudo school. Now, not everybody has grandma living within, you know, close distance, but It's just that like, oh, wow, I learned that this is way better for me than trying to focus while laying in bed and the same environment where I sleep and play and, you know, relax is not a great environment for school. So what does work? You know, can I get my car and I can go, you know, or the kid's not going to get in the car, but if you could drive your child someplace and say, okay, we're going to sit here and do your homework here, but there's so many different ways you can 
uh, experiment and help her figure out, well, how she learned the best, because that's the skill she's going to need to take with her for the rest of her life is how, when I want to learn something, how can I do it? How do I motivate myself? What's my learning style? You know, but also really help her see like, what else is she gravitating towards? Like what have been her favorite TV shows? Why does she like them? What's her favorite video game? And what is it that she is gleaning from that? Can she use screen time to socialize and connect with other people? Does she find herself like using her hands to create? Does she want to learn to knit? Is she love having her pets with her all day? Like what does she miss about school? Really helping your child explore kind of milks this opportunity of taking advantage of who am I when you remove the construct of school? And what do I want and and what motivates me? And I think that there's so much we can learn. I mean, usually we learn what we don't like before we learn what we do like. So it's okay if it's all negative, because that's just showing you that you might need the opposite. You know, if you maybe you don't like computers, well, that's good to know before you're choosing your future career. So it's just a really important time to step away from cultural programming and get clear on who we are and what we value. As she learns more about what she likes, she can start looking for activities and opportunities that align with the identity she wants to grow into. So if she wants to help take care of the planet and, you know, save the turtles, then she can start getting involved with other people who also have that same passion. Today's life coaching answer, or what gets in our way from helping our struggling teenagers kind of go through this important developmental stage of building an identity and an ego separate from the family. Well, the what gets in our way is the desire to rescue our children from negative emotions. It is so hard to watch a kid who doesn't feel like she has a lot of friends, who's got anxiety, who's not doing well in school, to live with that person all day, every day. Oh my gosh. It makes us want to fix it and fix it now. (laughs) But we can't do that for her. You can't save her from her negative emotions. I remember when my son was struggling, he had really strange symptoms that nobody could figure out. I was lonely. I felt scared. I tried so hard to help him, but I spent a lot of time feeling powerless because I had slipped into what's called the Cartman Triangle, otherwise known as the Drama Triangle. So the Drama Triangle has three players. It has the villain, the victim, and the hero. When my son was having these mysterious medical problems, I felt like a victim. I saw he and I both as victims. I thought Western medicine was my villain because they couldn't figure out what was wrong and they couldn't diagnose him and they said he was fine. And I was desperately looking for a hero. (laughs) So each new practitioner who brought some renewed hope to me or I thought I could put my faith in and my trust in, I would kind of put them up on a pedestal and like, they're going to rescue me and rescue us from this situation. And like, this is going to be it. And I got really hopeful that I would be rescued from my victimhood. But it didn't work very well. But I do remember the day that I switched roles from victim to hero. 
I was racing to pick up another prescription from another doctor, you know, trying to something else. I was sure this was the answer. So I was trying to get there really quickly and they'd called it into the wrong pharmacy. And so I was racing across town to get there because before it closed, super stressed, super angry that they'd called it into the wrong pharmacy because they were the villain and I was the victim. All of a sudden, it just hit me. Like, I was made for days like this. And it was like the super mom cape went on <laughs> around my neck. And I was like, oh, dude, I could totally handle this. Like, I am, I'm mama lion. I am taking care of my cub. And I'm going to be the hero. And he's going to be the victim. And, you know, Western medicine is still going to be my villain, apparently. And so this felt much better to be the hero than the victim, but it still kept me stuck in this drama triangle. Now, you can see this playing out. Like, if you watch the any reality TV show, you see these women. Someone's got to be the villain. I'm the victim. Who's my hero? You know, it's like the, oh, the bachelor or whatever. So it's like the girl's like, I'm the victim and I need to, or, uh, or I need to rest or I'm the hero and I'm rescuing the bachelor from these evil girls who are on the show with me. You know, you see it in like, like Cinderella. She's got like Cinderella's the victim, the evil stepmother's the villain, Prince Charming is the hero. So whenever you have drama, you see these roles being played out. And I can see them being played out for you in this question today with your daughter that the schools are the villain and the, your daughter's the victim and you want to be the hero. And believe me, I know that being the hero feels a lot better than being the victim. But I was lucky that my son, uh, I would say, I like to say he fired me from my imaginary role as his hero when he was about 14. He's like, "Mm -mm, you are done. I I fire you. Like he just refused to let me uh, be his hero. And because he didn't want to be a victim anymore. And that's why I say it was great because he's like, I refuse to let you put me in the role of victim. He's like, you're done. Mm -mm, We are. And so the whole drama triangle just went away because there was no victim, there was no villain, and I was a hero without a cause, trying so hard to rescue somebody. And so it was really, it was a tricky thing to navigate. I felt a little lost and confused when I was no longer the hero. I'd gotten comfortable with that role. And so what I learned to do instead was to take all the lessons that I learned and I turned it into my class I call Leading Your Teen to help other moms who are stuck in the drama triangle with their teenagers. So you can see this playing out in politics. I mean, this is exactly what's happening where, you know, the Republicans think they're the victims, the Democrats are the villain, and Trump is the hero. And, you know, same thing for the Democrats. And so you can see it playing out any, anytime you see drama, pretty much. And so in order to shift out of that drama triangle, you want to move to the empowerment triangle. It, you want to be able to solve these problems from your higher self. And so the empowerment triangle also has three roles. The victim becomes the creator. The villain becomes a challenger, 
and the hero becomes the coach. So when you change the role of victim to that of creator, well, creators take responsibility for the circumstances that they have control over. And they use their creativity to make something new that has never existed before. So instead of seeing your daughter as the victim, which is a very disempowering role for her, she has to sit around and wait for her mom or for schools to help her. Instead, if you're, if that your daughter can be switched to the role of creator and say like, Hey, this is my life. I've got more free time than I've ever had before. I get to do whatever I want to do here. And as a mom, you can hold a higher vision for her, believing that she can create the life that she wants, no matter what challenges present themselves. And so in this case, the villain of schools being closed becomes the challenger. So online school or distance learning or schools being closed, whatever you want to say, is the challenge that she's facing. It's healthy pressure to create a breakthrough for the creator. So in sports, like there's no blame placed on the opposing team. <laughs> like no matter how dominant they may be, we're not just like, ah, I mean, sometimes some kids do. That's why I started laughing. I'm like, yeah, some people do blame, I guess. Some people have a lot of drama. But a lot of times we just accept that like, yeah, they're just better than us. They dominated. They beat us. But you don't go into a match with another team who you know is very strong and immediately shift into a helpless victim mindset. That's not going to help you win the match, right? So you've got to go in with like, yes, they are strong. They are, you know, they good. But you've got to find the like one area where you feel like, okay, we need to bring our best selves to this competition. You don't want to kind of surrender before you even get into the court or the ring or wherever you're going with them, the pitch. So focus on the challenge in front of you and utilize what resources you have. Kids often learn what they don't like and want before they learn what they do like. So if nothing else, this challenging year is helping with that. So the hero becomes the coach in the empowerment triangle. Coaches don't try to fix anyone. They don't try to solve problems for people. They see everyone as fully empowered creators of their own life. And they support them in taking responsibility for what they most want. And so, you know, coaches don't give advice. They don't tell you what to do. They believe in your ability and your capacity to rise to the occasion. So it can be very frustrating to try and play the hero in your kids' lives because there's so much you don't have control over. And teens don't like to be disempowered by, you know, letting mom play the hero. So by becoming the coach, you get to support, encourage, you can offer guidance, you can be the biggest cheerleader, but you can have a lot more fun. So today's Supermom Kryptonite is this drama triangle. Because it can be so draining, frustrating, exhausting, and it keeps you stuck in it. There's something, it's like drama gives us like a high, you know, we get an energy from it. And it's whether you're the hero or the victim, it just, or the villain, we, sometimes we get used to drama and it feels comfortable and familiar. 
And so when you try to step out of the drama triangle and into the empowerment triangle, it can feel kind of boring or like empty to live without it. So this makes us hold on to the drama triangle and find new avenues to get the adrenaline rush of heroism. So we can feel a sense of belonging and righteousness by aligning to an extreme political party who believes in the victim-villain-hero mindset, right? This is what we saw a lot of. You can use the past tense. This is what we saw a lot of in our country's politics over the last couple of years of that people really like saying, I'm going to you know, join this group. And then I people believe me and they support me. And like, I get to have this sense of belonging, but it's through this drama of the victim and the villain and the hero. And it's just not healthy. It's not an empowering place to be. So we can have conflictual family relationships when we're looking to stay in the drama triangle. We quit our jobs, like hoping, we're like, okay, the boss is the villain. I'm the victim and nobody's coming to my rescue <laughs> to be my hero. So I'm going to quit this job and I'm going to find another one. And guess what happens? The same drama triangle starts to play out. You know, or somebody switches relationships and it's like, yeah, the same thing, just with a different person. And so we can, this drama triangle can be sort of addictive in a way where you just get used to it and you're always creating it in your life. So it's something to really watch out for because it is a huge energy drain because it's so disempowering. Learning to let go of the victim, villain, hero mindset and shift into the creator, the challenger, and the coach might feel weird and different, but the energy you gain by being empowered is so worth the trade-off. Today's super mom power boost is conversation cards. Are you guys bored of your family dinner conversations? Or maybe you don't even have family dinners, you just eat in front of the TV because dinner conversations with your family are so unpleasant. Or maybe you dread dinner because everyone just ends up bickering. Well, if any of these sound familiar, I'm going to recommend a box of conversation topics. Now, you can just Google it. This is not a commercial. I just have had a lot over the years, and we it's just so nice to be able to sit at the table and have interesting dinner conversations with the same old people you see every day. There's different brands, but you can keep a box at the kitchen table or keep a box in the car. If you get to drive a lot in the car, it's a great way to get to know more about your kids and kind of help them develop their thinking and open up new topics of discussion. So if you're wanting to be a part of the solution for this say, political divide in our country, this is a great way to do it because the goal of conversation cards isn't to come to consensus and agree. It's actually to explore ideas that don't have a right or wrong answer. <laughs> and so this whole like the, you know, we've kind of lost in politics, there's not much dialoguing anymore and discussions. And so this is a really fun way to get your family and your kids practiced in the art of dialogue and discussion. Discussions. So it might be questions like, would you rather live in a treehouse or on a boat? It might be something like, do you know how both sets of your grandparents met? 
or something simple like what was the best part of your day or what was the best meal you've ever eaten? When you use conversation cards with kids, it shows them you care about who they are, what they think, and how they feel. The basic need all kids have is to feel seen, heard, and felt by their parents. And this can help them develop their identity and figure out who am I, what are my values, what do I believe in, and recognizing that it's okay that it might be different than your parents and that everybody at the table might have a different response and different values, and that's okay. So it makes dinner time more interesting and teaches your kids good conversation skills. So check out conversation cards or conversation topics and try it out with your family. Today's quote of the day. Part of the adventure here is not just developing creativity in kids, but thinking about school in a different way. Sir Ken Robinson. Thanks so much, mamas. I will love you and leave you. You guys hang in there. I'm thinking about you all the time. And hopefully I will see you in the webinar on uh, having the talk with your nine to 12 year old. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question, and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email, and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.